Welcome to the wheelbarrow full of dicks internet radio program. It's spooky month. Dubfod goes hard. My name is Mike. I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Drunkard STL on the Twitters. What to do? Holding back a yawn, Travis, off to a good start. Oh, Tri- baby. Guys, we are also joined by the king of pranks, the albino alligator popcorn bitch, Mr. Travis Hulse. Hello, boys. Also, hello, listeners. So I guess hello to all genders, fluid or non. The phone number to contact the show is 636-487-HAND-OR-WFOD-SHOW on Skype. Travis, after the break, we are going to be talking to author Michael Wohl. Uh, he has a book coming out called uh, In Herschel's Wake. Uh, looking forward to talking to him. Spoiler alert, we already did, and he was a pleasure. I, Travis, I'm going to tell you. Really good interview. Was it good? Michael. Did it turn out nice? Yeah, it turned out really nice. Well, like, the conversation was really good. Like, I really enjoyed his company. Like, there, there was there was some la- lofts in there, Travis. It, it was it was it was an all around good time. So, so uh, not Arliss. Arliss, like Arliss Michaels, the the like Robert sp- Wool. No, Michael Wool. Michael, not Robert Wool. Uh, Robert Wool. No, not Robert Wool. Michael Wool. 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 Robert Wall, Michael Wall. Travis, why are we doing this? Uh, I'm not quite sure. It's the beginning of the show, and we're finding our sea legs, and uh, (laughs) I'm drowning right now. Thank you. Travis, I I have some some fun author content for you. I I sent you a picture earlier uh, of a gentleman. Oh, yeah. That's an author? He has an Instagram account and a TikTok. He's actually quite popular, and I think that he doesn't know why he's popular, because... I discovered him because I was scrolling down a thing and I saw a really unusual looking man and I was like, what is this guy saying? Claims he's an author. Uh, it's guy. If you want to look him up, I, I encourage you to because he's, he's a very uh, interesting looking guy. Uh, Roger Watson author is his uh, Instagram account. And uh, RogerWatsonAuthor.com is his website. Can I tell you really quick that if, you, if you're too lazy to look him up, if you've ever seen uh, Ed Wood... And I guess Plan 9 from Outer Space, it's the big hulking-looking bald wrestler dude. If somebody (laughs) punched him in the mouth and knocked out all of his teeth, he looks very similar. Well, Travis, fun, interesting tidbit. I went to RogerWatsonAuthor.com to, like, see what he writes about because he's an author, right? Mm -hmm. I want to see what his books are. Of course. He has no books on RogerWatsonAuthor.com. He has a series of T-shirts that you can purchase with his likeness on him. Oh, he's an author of T-shirts. One of which he proclaims himself Butterbean 2.0, which 
pretty fair, I'd say. Butterbean 2.0 only like with no teeth, but I like feel like Butterbean has a neck though. What if Arthur's his middle name? You know who he really reminds me that's of, and a, I hate to make fun of Travis. People's... Let's not skip past that. Drunk oh, has okay. a really good point. Do what that if again. Author is his middle name. Oh yeah, sure could be. Uh, you know, though, I am gonna blow past that and say that you know <laughs> I, I do I do hate to make pe- fun of people's appearance because um, I am a forty two year old overweight balding man that is not very attractive. Uh, I was at no, one point look, in my you're life. Stunning, Travis. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Um, but if I could say, Travis, you uh, talk about how bad you look all the time. I think you're a handsome dude. You're I do the, appreciate you're that. You're definitely voice. the most like, attractive guy on the dub file. Travis, sure. you're a good looking dude. And you Fuck your your shitty thoughts. Thank you, boys. I do. I do. I do appreciate that. But get, getting back to uh, uh, our subject at hand, I feel like this man and listeners correct me if I'm wrong. If you do look him up, uh, but this guy looks like he could play the uh, live action Patrick Starfish. <laughs> <laughs> but I like him, Travis, and I, I was enthralled in the saga because you know he all of his videos are a close up of his face. But then he went on this series where he was doing these screenshots of uh, the Walmart website. He's mad at Walmart, Travis. Because they deliver shit too fast to well, his home? Who isn't mad at Walmart? No, I, I have clips. I have fuck clips the Crockies, fuck the Waltons. Well, 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 Walmart. Y'all oh think God, y'all gonna get away like. with this. Okay. Y'all look at this. Y'all look. Okay, so, Travis, it was a screenshot of a new uh, Walmart thing that they started called Walmart Creators. And Walmart Creators, from what I can gather, basically is like Walmart started an Etsy where you can sell stuff on the Walmart homepage. Isn't Walmart so funny? Anytime a company does anything, whether it's Amazon or eBay or Fandango, it doesn't matter what the company does. Walmart's like, oh, there must be money in that. Can we attach that to our website? <laughs> well, and then they try to do it. Roger Watson, author.com, Travis, he invented this idea. Don't tell him I said that he looked like Patrick Starfish, by the way. I won't. Do y'all remember back in July and August when I was talking about trying to join with Walmart to do Walmart creators? Do y'all remember that? I don't remember it. But his his fans they do Travis and they're they saying, do remember they're saying he did come up with that idea yeah he he said that he talked to Walmart and he said hey you guys should do like Etsy but on the Walmart webpage and oh. Walmart was like oh yeah we should like give you credit for that idea and then they didn't Travis they just stole it and they, they just made their own Etsy see there's a problem because what he was doing is he was trying to expose Walmart for what they did to him. And now Walmart has, has like gone to TikTok and said, you got to you got to silence this guy. Y'all, Walmart's a creator that can put a video up and in hours get 20, 30,000 views. When I posted on TikTok within hours, several, several thousand, hundred thousand views, I posted a video outing Walmart for stealing my idea. And them coming out with it in an hour, zero views. Zero, zero. Travis. Oh, you shadow I feel like TikTok, TikTok has shadow banned me. And I feel like Walmart and TikTok 
has uh, banned my big account to suppress and wipe out all acknowledgement of me and Walmart uh, dealing with each other about this idea. Bloated. This man actually has a large TikTok following. Well, yeah, Travis, look at him. I clicked on it. I'm sure everybody clicks on it. If you see him in the algo rhythm, Travis, you're clicking on that fucking guy to see what he has to say. And apparently what he has to say is, I got screwed by Walmart. You know what would make that better then is if he's like, okay, uh, TikTok is not having me. Uh, Walmart obviously had me shadow banned. You should just hop over onto Pornhub because if people are clicking on <laughs> him to see him talk on TikTok, can you imagine how many people would click on him trying to bang somebody? Or just whacking off, Travis. Don't you just want to see what it looks like? Oh, God, yeah. I just want to see him whack off. <laughs> can I get like three more seconds of this guy? Please help me get this video out. I need some legal help to out Walmart for stealing an idea I had. Good hey. luck. Can I say that right <laughs> off the bat? Like, good. Like, who's trying to battle Walmart? Like, that's would be like going after Amazon. And like, who's don't trying to battle stupid. Walmart, Travis, that, that's just flipping through TikTok videos looking for people? <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, get like, out the yellow oh, pages, bud. I'll represent this fellow. <laughs> like, yeah, I am, gotta... I am a, a, a pro bono, amazing lawyer who wins all the cases. <laughs> I will represent him. <laughs> I'm taking a shit uh, in the middle of the day of my law practice. I'll help this man. I like him, though. He's fun. Drunk. Did you need something from that I, that I, you got? Or? I was going to make a joke, but I decided it wasn't funny. I would love oh. for you to make a joke. Yeah, make the joke, Drunk. Let's hear it. He sounds like Pepper, doesn't he? A little Mississippi-ish? Yeah. Mississippi y'all, adjacent? Y'all, 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 y'all. Walmart, y'all. Y'all Walmart, y'all want to help me to try to fight the Walmart and steal my idea? <laughs> That's so shitty. We shouldn't do that accent anymore, I don't think. I feel like that's like, it's like uh, when people say like the only uh, group of people you can make fun of anymore is the Italians. I think that's wrong. I think that the only group of people that the entire world thinks we can make, of, make fun of is the uh, southern United States people. I mean, I think you can still get by with making fun of the Irish too, right? Oh yeah, my shepherd's pie. Shiver me timbers. Yeah, grab me a glass. Oh, of that's pirates. Fucking unbelievable. Oh, it's fucking. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. Fookin'? Yeah, mate. No, wait. Maybe we shouldn't do accents anymore. Is that the is is that the lesson? Fookin Maybe bollocks. Fucking bollocks. I don't like any of it. Travis, uh, uh. There, there's other people trying to get the word out. There's a lot of things that... By the way, Travis, what did, what did Kanye West say about the Jews? I don't know. What did he right? say? Like, like, what did he all say? All I see is people dropping him. Uh, nobody wants to... And then there was actually a Hollywood Reporter uh, opinion article. Excuse me. Jesus. <laughs> that came out and was like, uh, should Kanye's music be banned? And the <laughs> sticky situation surrounding that. It's like, no... You fucking Hollywood reporter idiot. His music shouldn't be banned. You don't ban music. You let the artist put it out however so, he can. And just don't listen to it. 
Uh, Just don't listen to it. Yeah. And so I, I saw that he said that the Jews, they control the banks, and then J.P. Morgan dropped them. And oh, people I, I saw been saying that, that for years, though. That he said that uh, the Jews run social media, and then Instagram and Twitter blocked him, Travis. I don't know who runs these things. I don't so either, but... Uh, like I mean, I'm not you know, I'm not in a position where I know the CEO and the board of directors behind these companies. So Adidas dropped him. I'm sure that like, you know, somebody else will be like, yeah, we'll sell your dumb space foam <laughs> shoes. Oh, yeah. We'll make a Walmart. billion dollars. No problem. Yeezy. Yeah, probably Walmart. It's just like, uh, you know, when the brands are super big, like Ocean Pacific and uh, Starter Jinko Jin- was like that for a while. And then once they fizzle out, Walmart's like, well, yeah, we'll, yeah, put we'll this buy out. it. It's no got to be cheaper, though. Yeah, it's got to be cheaper quality and we'll sell the shit out of it. What what happens is, Travis, is people make something that if you go buy, ladies want to fuck you. And so, like, once you get the word out that, like, if you buy this thing, ladies will want to fuck you, then, like, you can charge whatever you want for it. Right. Somehow it got into the collective that, like, if you bought Kanye West's dumb, ugly clothing, like, ladies would fuck you because you spent $250 on, like, a pair of pants. Which these dipshits must not have been alive when uh, Jay-Z put out a line of clothing and no ladies fucked anybody who was wearing Jay-Z's Rocka brand. Travis, I have a pair of Rocka wear boots that I got at the Ross Dress for Less. And yeah, did you get fucked? Nobody has said, <laughs> "Hey, I would like to have sex with you because you, you're wearing this pair of uh, twenty dollar Rockaware." Did you have a vocal tee? I don't know what that word means. Vocal was uh, Nelly's brand. Nelly had a brand Nelly had a brand of clothing. Yeah, How long did that last? I don't know. Six months. But about uh, it, it <laughs> went defunct right before I Nelly know, sold how, the rights to how, Hot in Here right, to fucking I, Honey Nut Cheerios. How long was Nelly hot? Like three years. So, so that. Uh, that guy's trying to get his, the word out about Walmart. Travis uh, Kanye West is trying to get the word out about the Jews. Uh, but Kraft Macaroni and Cheese, they started a campaign too. Did you hear about Kraft Macaroni and Cheese's new thing? No, man. You're going to love this. Company collabs are all the rage these days, but sometimes they need your help. Kraft launching a website and a call to action. Where is the Mac.com encourages the public to push McDonald's to add Kraft Mac and Cheese to the Big Mac. The site has a direct link to tweet at McDonald's with the hashtag Where's the Mac. Kraft saying in a statement, quote, we believe that the time for change is now. Yeah, craft you know, you cheese. know that sandwich that you've loved for 60 years? Let's fuck it up by putting <laughs> shitty macaroni and cheese on it. Right, not even the good stuff. No, just terrible macaroni and cheese. The shit that when you're too busy at night to make dinner, you cut up a hot dog and you put it in there and feed it to your kids. <laughs> Travis, there are 1.5 million Big Macs sold per day. They're delicious. And Kraft Macaroni and Cheese is saying, hey, we would love to sell a shitload of Kraft Macaroni and Cheese to McDonald's <laughs> for them to put right. on their sandwich on that their they sell billions of per year. We would love that. And, and we think that you guys would like it, too. You should tell McDonald's to buy our well, that's like, macaroni and cheese. That's like Rice-A-Roni is partnered with the cash checking places around the world that every time somebody cashes a check. They get a handful of uh, uh, cooked rice aroni. Well, yeah, because every time everybody catches, 
how much more rice aroni can we get rid of? And it's you know, yeah, I mean, come yeah, on. I love get, rice aroni. It's so good. Either that, I or or like, like maybe it's like the equivalent of. Uh, McDonald's, you, you know, when they do that thing, like how many retweets do I need for you to show me them boobies? And they're like a, a million. And then he's like, everybody retweet this so I can see some boobies. It's either that or like they already plan on doing it and they're just trying to drum. Yeah, I feel like it's probably the former where it's probably a buzz where where Kraft Macaroni and Cheese is already partnered with McDonald's. And they're like, oh, the first of the year, we're going to dump a bunch of shitty mac and cheese on top of that shitty Big Mac. People are going to try it. So they, they made a website. It's where's the Mac.com where you can go. And I guess they give you a, uh, a form to click on to like tweet to McDonald's and tell McDonald's that you want macaroni and cheese. But by the way, Travis, why wouldn't McDonald's just make macaroni and cheese? Why would they partner with Kraft? They can find noodles and cheese right. and make their own. Well, it's because people are familiar with Kraft macaroni and cheese. People love so, brand names. That's... Yeah, people people are like really into when two brands collaborate. Yeah. So no, if, that's like, made up. If, yeah, if Walmart or Walmart, sorry, it's the pretty much all the same thing. If McDonald's <laughs> is all like, "Hey, we made made mac and cheese and we shoved it on our Big Mac," people would be like, "Gross. That's not well, what I buy a Big Mac deal. for." So, macaroni and cheese Kraft in particular has been merged with Star Wars for years. Right, it can't be too long till the next Star Wars movie comes out. Are they really hurting for money that bad? They gotta. You, are you saying that they don't want to put Star Wars shaped mac and cheese on the Big Macs? <laughs> it's a limited fuck edition. You fucking got me there. Limited edition from McDonald's and Kraft. It's the Star Wars Big Mac macaroni and cheeseburger. <laughs> Travis, I didn't know how to do that. Uh, that form thing where like I give people the thing to tweet. But I did make a WFODshow.com slash tell them. And it's just links to uh, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And it says, like, hey, tell people to listen to our podcast. Nice. I do like that. And so you could just, yeah, WFODshow.com slash tell them. And then, like, it'll just link you to Twitter. And then, like, you can click on it and it'll go to the Twitter website. And then just, like, tweet. Hey, listen, hey, to, listen to WFOD. Um, these guys are the best. Yeah, I don't know how to, like, make it already say that. So you'll actually have to type it. But. Yeah, but the typing is not that difficult. Yeah. It's better than when you like try to share something from Kickstarter and you have to like delete a bunch of shit that's like <laughs> encoded into the URL and then just like type your own message. This is just like add your own. You don't have to delete anything. Just add your own message. Travis, I have a really good one that I think you're really going to like. Uh, and I even did it the best way I could. I got a robot to read it because I, I know you love when uh robots read us the news yeah i but, certainly do but i think that like we're going to have to pause <laughs> as this story progresses because it just keeps going like when you think oh no more tragedy can happen travis there's more oh boy a young melbourne woman was severely injured in a roller coaster accident at the royal melbourne show on sunday september 25th shila rodden 26 currently remains in intensive care as she battles for her life. So, Travis, that's so disconcerting, that robot voice reading the news. <laughs> I do I do not care for that. She was hit by a roller coaster, Travis. Just like void of emotion. <laughs> the young victim is no stranger to the hurdles of life and has managed to turn every obstacle into a stepping stone thus far. 
I like him. I would listen to his podcast. Have we talked about this story already? The lady that got hit by the roller coaster? Yeah. No. No. No, we heard about a different coaster accident. Shyla stared down death after being in a car crash in January last year. She flipped a car on the Western Ring Road after plowing into a truck and a car, reports Daily Mail. Shyla flung out of the car and onto the road as she wasn't wearing a seat belt. A tornado is about to hit your area. Please find shelter in a basement or a room with no windows. So, Travis, this lady was in a car accident in January of last year, lost the ability to walk, spent uh, like a year relearning how to walk, Travis, after a horrific car accident. And then she is at an amusement park and she drops her phone on a roller coaster. And she doesn't like go tell the roller coaster man, <laughs> hey, I dropped my phone. She just fucking like hops the fence and goes and gets it, Travis. And uh, she got hit by a roller coaster. Uh, but it keeps going, Travis. She managed to escape death but needed rigorous rehabilitative care to get back on her feet. Two years before that, Shala was in another serious car crash in 2019. In spite of the series of tragedies, the woman shares an appetite for overcoming life's hiccups. At 18 years old, some friends introduced her to drugs. Why is a goddamn robot reading this? They don't have somebody laying around at this fucking news studio that could just, like, read this copy? In like, how in difficult it... There was news people reporting the story, Travis, but they didn't go into the detail about her learning to walk and... All that. This is, is the it because best I could they find, didn't Travis. want to be. They didn't want to take part in it. They didn't want their uh, uh, anchor news associated with this story. Like why? Well, the wait, only wait. story that was out there by regular news was that a lady got hit by a roller coaster. But I think that a year before relearning to walk, only then to walk in front of a roller coaster is the best part, Travis. That the mainstream media didn't. Uh, well, you don't. You don't want people thinking they're invincible, so you don't put that story out like that. But the whole point is, like, why is a robot reading it? Like, this isn't like the robot wasn't just in the internet and decided to report on this story. Somebody had to like place this robot into a position where they reported on this story. Travis, there's still a minute and nineteen seconds of the robot <sighs> reading this news story, and I, I didn't want to cut any of it. Travis, I love all of it. Even right, got a tattoo at the time that reads, live life loose. However, she turned her life around, got a job and received professional care, and pledged to make better friends. Just two months before the roller coaster accident, life threw another curveball at her when she lost her beloved brother Jason. Her devastated father sat her down and broke the devastated. Her devastated father set her down to Maybe break the news that her brother's dead as shit. That's true. There might be a, a Australia la language barrier. News to her. Shyla considered her brother more of a best friend, her everything, and an inspiring person she looked up to. <laughs> On the day of her roller coaster accident, Shyla was helping a friend with her stall and was on break when she decided to enjoy the ride. With her skull? 
whether the stall, uh, I guess one of her friends was working at the. Oh, I thought it said she helped one of her friends with her skull. <laughs> Travis drunk took his headphones off. He doesn't want to hear the robot tell the rest. Yeah, of I don't love it. I got to be honest. I don't love it. The the roller coaster. Okay, so hit her. Very earwormy. The yes. roller coaster hit her, Travis. By the way, I made a I made a song. You're not gonna like. Don't walk in front of a roller coaster, baby, baby. You'll probably die. <laughs> Travis, uh, give me one more verse of that song. No, that's all. That's all there is. Travis. Yeah, just play it again. Don't walk in front of a roller coaster, baby, baby. You'll probably die. So she goes to get her phone and the roller coaster hits her going 70 kilometers per hour, which I don't know what that is in miles, Travis, but it's more right because kilometers are are longer than miles. Yeah. So I think what that'd probably be like, what, 40? Uh, No, the 70 kilometers per hour in miles per hour would be more miles per hour. No, it's less. less. Miles are less. 43.496. Still pretty fast. How many? 43.496. So it's going 40 miles an hour. That's you get hit by a car going 43 miles an hour. You're fucking. But then, Travis, so she's on the hood of the roller coaster and it takes her up in the air 25 feet and then drops her. It drops. She didn't hold on. I I don't know. Maybe maybe they did a loop de loop, Travis. And she's probably unconscious. Yeah, she she I don't I think she might be dead. But well, I feel like she should be after all the mistakes that she's made in her (laughs) life. (laughs) Travis, you, you don't. You don't walk out onto the tracks of a roller coaster one. I think the rest of the robots report is about how they're doing investigations on wrongdoing. The wrongdoing was her. Yeah, she walked onto yeah, the roller don't, coaster. Don't track. do that. That's a bad idea. What, are you we sure that she was free and clear of the drugs before she walked onto the roller coaster track? I don't really know why that's relevant. I, I mean, I'd I'd prefer she was on drugs. Otherwise, she's just really stupid. Yeah, just dumb, just dumb as shit. Like, it's just like it's one thing when you hear people like walking on railroad tracks, it's like, yeah, but you can kind of tell when there's a train coming. Yeah. But a roller coaster moves so fast and comes so often that there's like no you can't anticipate. I that. wonder I just, if they even have a sign up, Travis. I, like, of course not. Why? Why would they? Because who they would wouldn't. be dumb enough to do it? No, they wouldn't like just I mean, don't now be they, on the now they will for tracks. sure. They'll be like, hey, if you drop something, don't walk yeah. out on the roller coaster. Due, due to stupid ass dipshit, we have to put up this sign. Just know that we know that you know. Yeah. We're not responsible for your dumb ass walking on the track. Don't walk in front of a roller coaster, baby, baby. You'll probably die. You think that's in poor taste? No. No, okay. I love it. It's fine. Guys, what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael Wohl. Uh, he has a book coming out called In Herschel's Wake. Uh, not coming out. It's out, Travis. It's out. Go it's get out. it now. Ready to go. Go to Amazon. Go, no, don't go to Amazon. Go to go Amazon. To your, go to your local bookseller. Oh. They got it. Go to Barnes & Noble. Don't go to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> go to Skippy's Bookstore if the, you have one of those. Who has one of those? Travis, no, we don't me. have any bookstores anymore. They're gone. No, we don't, we don't have one either. Bookstores <laughs> like aren't a thing, Travis. No, so go to Amazon, Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Go to Walmart Creators. Well, 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 Walmart. <laughs> I love that guy. 
Michael Myers is going to kill you. You can set him on fire. That will just make him madder. You cannot delay the inevitable. He is going to stab you. Run as fast as you go ahead. It does not really matter. He's going to fucking kill you. Cause he's Michael Myers and he's going to kill you. Look out behind the bush, the shape is going to stab you. He's Michael fucking Myers, get ready for your killing. He's going to stab your fucking face and eat all your fucking yogurt. Michael fucking Myers coming to his childhood home and then he's going to kill you. You are not going to. I can set him on fire. It does not matter. He's an immortal god, and he's going to stab you, and then he's gonna kill you. WFOG. Hey Google, what's the song? Safety glasses off, motherfuckers. Here is Mike with a quick update on the WFOD Hollywood Fantasy League. Black Adam made $67 million this weekend. Now we're talking. Wait, a 41% Metacritic? Jesus. Well, at least Halloween ends... Dropped to fourth in its second weekend? Holy shit, it lost... After week four of Smile? You collected them for years. Beanie Babies, the latest toy craze to hit the States. Goldie! We don't have Goldie! Yes! You saved them in hopes that one day their value would skyrocket. This October. The bears come out of hibernation. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's time to spill the beans. Wait, wait! That's the ultra-rare Princess Diana ghost version. They hand-stitched them and the production run was only one day. Bitch, are you crazy? We gotta stop these things now before they kill more people. It might already be too late. As the city begins to burn, once again, WFOD, wheelbarrow full of dicks.
guys. Welcome back. Our guest tonight is an author whose latest memoir, available now on Amazon or wherever you get books, is called In Herschel's Wake. It's a darkly funny examination of faith, funerals, and fucked up fathers. Guys, Michael Wohl is on the program. Good evening, guys. Am I, do you go by Max? Michael's fine. Well, I'm a Michael, too, and where does Max come from? Is that your middle name? No, it's just a nickname that uh, I sort of, uh, yeah, there were a lot of Michaels in my uh, world growing up, <laughs> and uh, you may know about that. Yeah, for sure. So, in fact, I remember, you know, in high school, we would, you know, like play a game like Frisbee or Hacky Sack, and like everybody was just named Michael. I'd be like, hey, Mike, 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 you know, and anyway, so I don't even know where Max came from originally, but it's just been sort of a nickname, and these days, it's mostly Michael. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Daddy. You know, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Mike, the, the book is, it, it's cinematic, I would would say. Thank was it you. Was it intended to be? Yeah. When you're writing I, I, something like this, do, do you have the movie in mind, I guess, is, is the question. So this, you know, this is a memoir. It's a true story. When, when I went to this island and uh, buried my father and this crazy experience happened, I you know, all these ridiculous obstacles. I came home, I started telling my friends and every single one, I mean, everyone was like, you have to make a movie (laughs) of this experience. And so I started working on the script and, uh, I it was I was a little close to the experience and it was very you know pretty emotional thing and sure. it was hard for me to figure out how to make a script out of it but I I tried for a number of years and then finally sort of put it down and then somebody was like hey maybe you don't maybe the script is too limiting why don't you just write it as a story write it as a novel and so I started writing that and that became the first draft of this book but then I actually put the book down and went back to the movie version and uh, I hired a good friend of mine to write a script based on the book, and he did, and the script came out great and won a bunch of awards, and was I was developing it, getting some progress and into 2019, and then 2020 happened, and then all that momentum just completely collapsed with the pandemic, and I was like, ah, how am I going to get this alive again? And And so I was like, maybe I can go back to the book. And so I revisited the book and found a publisher and with the help of an editor really brought the book to a whole new level. And, uh, and now the book is out and now I'm back to like, how do I make it into a movie? Again? <laughs> a couple of things there, you know, obviously that's a story we've heard from a lot of the people that we've talked to is that going, you know, there's been, snowballing success and momentum on a project that they've been working on. And then all of a sudden pandemic hits and it's like a dead stop. So that's, that's always, that's always awful to hear. But uh, also I would imagine that, you know, when you're writing a memoir, it's gotta be, it's gotta be so much easier to do novel, right? Like there's probably so much that you have to put on the page that you have to, and then to, to probably extract that to create that screenplay, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, I'm a filmmaker, you know, by training. So I, I'm, I think in terms of film structure and the, the basic, you know, 120 page or 110 page three act structure is like something I've done for so long that I really uh, have that, you know, burned into me. And so writing the book was, it was hard not to try to impose that there too. And it's there to some extent, but it is a lot looser. There's a lot more nuance, a lot more details. Somebody just was telling me, they're like, forget movies. Nobody wants features anymore. It should be a limited series. So <laughs> of course, yeah. 
<laughs> a lot of opportunities. That's, there. that's where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Michael, you're a filmmaker, but your your bio, you're a lot of things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wear a lot of hats. You, you, it says that you're a baker and uh, you designed Final Cut. What does that mean? You designed Final Cut Pro. I was one of the designers. I was on a team uh, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, working at a company called Macromedia that eventually got bought by Apple. Um, and yeah, I was uh, I was a software designer. I was not a coder. I was more I, I basically came onto the team as the world, the, the voice of the real world editor. And the engineers were brilliant engineers, but didn't know much about how real editors would use the software. And so I was there to sort of sit with them and demonstrate how a real user would do it. And that combination, I think, of of my presence and we brought some other people on to, you know, in my role as well. But uh, I was the first guy there in that role. And and I think that having that on, in, involved so early is part of what made Final Cut such a successful piece of software. So, Michael, how do you like the evolution of Final Cut Pro? Do you? Oh, do, they completely killed it. They ruined yeah. it. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I've heard from so many people who used to like swear by Final Cut that they're like, oh, these all these updates and this new version is, is, well, is in just... Well, in 2010, <laughs> 10 years later, 10, so the first version shipped in, in 1999, and 10 years later, they tried to reinvent it from the ground up uh, and did a lot of really cool things. Like they definitely, you know, I mean, the, the newer version has a lot of nice things about it, but it fundamentally, uh, violated the, the real, uh, organic use that what, what is what that made the original version such, so popular and made it, you know, it really transformed filmmaking. I mean, you know, it wasn't alone. It was part of a movement, but it was a big deal. Uh, of how of how in, how much Final Cut Pro changed the way people made movies, and they really just screwed all those people over and came out with something that was a lot more uh, consumer friendly, but not uh, professional. And that's so awful when you're talking about like it's an industry standard uh, application, essentially. And everybody uses it this way, this way, this way. And then all of a sudden they just fundamentally change the core of it uh, and then hope that everybody just adopts uh, all of the new the versions that come come after. Well, and the way they went about it was particularly terrible. I mean, they literally just one day were like, we're discontinuing the old version. Uh, you know, I mean, thousands and thousands of TV studios and, and f editors were dependent on this offer for their business. And they literally like one day, like, sorry, we're discontinuing that. You, if you, you have to now use this new thing that is missing half the features that you depend on. And uh, and they really they, they handled it so poorly. They, they show just utter disrespect for the community that they had built. I've it's funny because I've 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 heard uh, filmmakers talk about how they actually have like old, old laptops that they like <laughs> don't have Internet connected to that. They just have the old version of Final Cut Pro on that. that that's what they used to work. Time. I don't know if that's uh, I, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that did that for a long time. But now we're talking, you know, it's 10 it's years, 12 years, years, 13 years, 12 years. Yeah. Since the, the change. I My, can't imagine. Travis Michael can probably tell this is a conversation that would interest us because he's contacting us on Skype. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, they want to use Skype. I That's did a... download it this evening in order to lock. <laughs> So it did have my account with a list of calls I had made over the last decade. They were all right there. 
wonderful. <laughs> so, Travis, the book, it's called In Herschel's Wake. It's available now, right? Mike, it came out last yeah, week, I think. It came yeah. out last week, yeah. And so what happens is uh, Michael, he, he had kind of a weird dad. And his <laughs> dad ended up on th- this little island, and they called and said that he died, and they had to come figure out what to do with him. So you had a, a, a fractured relationship with your father, I would take it then. Yeah, not like completely estranged, but not close. And we were, I, you know, as a kid, I, I really enjoyed, uh, he was a great playmate, but not such a good parent. And as I got older, I learned that and appreciated that and, and confronted him about it a number of times and to which he mostly just said, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, and I say that on your program. I'm yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally he was like, you know, just fuck you. And I was like, okay. And, uh, so yeah, we were not close, but the, you know, he was a big influence on me and, and he was a very charismatic guy. He was very passionate about art, about writing, uh, and, you know, and he instilled in me a great respect for art and for the written word and all of that still, you know, I mean, I've spent my life mostly as a writer in various capacities. So certainly his influence never, never uh, swayed. Did he have a career in the arts? No, he was a failed novelist. He spent 30 years trying to write the great American novel and he wrote thousands and thousands of pages and it was beautiful, but completely incoherent. And, you know, just like he needed an editor and was too proud to have an editor and <laughs> sent it. You know, he got rejected from every possible publisher in the planet and never really published his books. So there was just a lot of probably a lot of bitterness kind of on the surface that yeah. came from not being able to 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 publish that novel. Yeah. And, you know, and just generally he was pretty uh, anti-establishment. He was, you know, he was a hippie. He was a, so, you know, he, he, he was originally, I mean, you know, he went to school for medicine. He was a pharmacologist and he was very like by the book, straight laced. I, I tell a story. It's not actually in the book, but I've told it a couple of times in the press stuff. He was, uh, he was giving LSD to rabbits, like putting <laughs> eyedroppers of LSD in rabbits eyes for some drug company in the seventies and was so straight. Like it didn't occur to him to like steal any of the LSD. And then like five years later, he was like completely like, you know, stoned every day and couldn't you know, <laughs> just uh, anyway. And so he really dropped out and he really rejected society and felt really, uh, you know, it was very important to him to counter the uh, commercialism and the capitalism that was becoming more and more, you know, impossible to avoid. Did that happen part in during your childhood or was that prior to you being born? No, that was during my childhood. That was that was my young childhood. Uh, you know, uh, he my parents split when I was about four, uh, four or five. And that was kind of when he dropped out and uh, and changed his life and uh, and left me and my sister and my mom a little high and dry because we were uh, he was, you know, supposed to be supporting us and didn't do so much of that. So <laughs> when when he left, that's when he started getting kooky, like he w- was normal for a while and then he snapped. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was too young to like witness yeah, the snap. Yeah. Like my memory of him is all of the after. But like I have pictures of him like speaking at conferences and wearing a suit and tie every single day. And I mean, you know, this is the early 60s. And like, you know, it, the world, there wasn't a lot of room for people to break out. And right. I think he was a little older than the hippie generation. But I think that he was well, like, by the early 70s, he was like, wait a minute, I want that. I want what those people are doing. And and he went for it. 
No, so, trust me, brother. I'm the same way. Like I'm here. I've almost I've turned 42 tomorrow, and I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great <laughs> to be with doing what those 20 year olds are doing? <laughs> it's never too late, Travis. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> you, you, what you need to grow is one of those long uh, rat tails in the back, Travis. Oh, That'd be really cool. That. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can pull that off, buddy. <laughs> so, Michael, your your dad he got married again. And he had a, another son uh, yeah. that you didn't really know. No, I, I didn't know him. And I basically I knew him as a baby. And then when he was a couple years old, my that couple split. Uh, you know, my dad's second wife left, took the baby and disappeared, basically. I mean, not completely, but I lost touch with him. I was yeah. 15. When he was born. And, you know, I wasn't. I didn't. So, yeah, I guess his your connection to him would have been your dad. And then. Right. His exactly. connection was kind of split. And so then yours was even more split. Man, we have a lot of parallels, Michael. Like yeah. my, my, my father, too, was the same thing as my my parents split when I was five, too. So I I was lucky if I saw my father once a year and then he ended up with another gal and had a couple of kids and they split. And then he had another couple of kids. And I think the last time I had saw my my half brother, I was probably 12 years old and you know i'm like i said 42 now so yeah. uh there's a there's a there's a lot of weird things like that when you have family members running around out there that you're that you're not uh you're not even really familiar with yeah well and so i didn't see this guy until you know i was 40 uh, 39 or 40 and and he was 25 and my dad died and we while well, we you know we're, we wound up going to this island he was on the same email that i was telling us Hey, your dad's dead. And we went and met down in the Caribbean on, you know, we met on St. Martin and then flew off to this tiny little island called St. Eustatius where he had been living. He was, my dad was uh, on the lamb, so to speak. Uh, he was uh, hiding out there and uh, died uh, from basically the uh, infection that would have been easily preventable had he had been access to medicine. But yeah. I met my half brother for the first time and we were sort of like, you know, uh, who are you? Who, you know, and like we, right. you know, we we had this connection. We shared a father, but like had this weird sense of like, you, I don't know if I can trust you, you know. And, yeah. and we part of this experience of going to this island was about learning to trust him and and my sister, which is a whole nother, you know, complicated relationship <laughs> that you kind of knew uh, you couldn't trust her. Right. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's I I think when you have a father like that, like I yeah. did, who is somewhat of a con artist, you know, you learn to not trust anybody, yeah. you know. Well, and not not only you were you getting to know this guy who shared a father with you, you know, you know, for a short amount of time, but like the father that he had probably was not the same father that you experienced, right? Yeah, well, then this was something we talked a lot about and tried to like unpack. So was he like this with you? And did you have this experience? And I mean, the truth is he was pretty similar. He was, it, it was a lot of the same. And, uh, you know, disappointingly, I sort of was hoping maybe he had a better relationship <laughs> with him than I did, but not so much. <laughs> not the case. So you get down there and I, I guess you, you go up and, and you ask, like, where's the coffin store? Right. And they say, <laughs> no, no, man. You, they literally laugh at us. So the, the the our guy, our, the contact we had there was the guy who ran the inn where my dad had been living, and nice guy, old Dutch guy, and uh, 
and uh, very serious though, not not such a jokester. But we told him we were like, so is there a funeral home? Like, where's the body? He literally just started laughing. He was just like, you don't understand. Like, this is a tiny island. There's no. There's none of that. Like we, you, you know, we, you build the, your own coffin, you dig your own hole, you bury the body. It's, you know, it was like going back in time to the 19th century or, or earlier, you know. And uh, so we had to figure out how to build a coffin, which uh, not something they teach you in school. Is there, <laughs> there are YouTube videos on that or anything, or what, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I picture I picture Michael having his phone up uh, next to the workbench is like step by step with his measuring right. his dad's body, trying to figure out how where what are we going to do here? Yeah. You know, a funny thing about that. So one of my one of the weird experiences of going to this island was that I looked very much like my father, like too much like him. And so we go to this island and it's a tiny island. Everybody knows him. Everybody. I mean, yeah. the people at the airport, the people, every, you know, every shop we walk into, everybody knows him and they see me and they're like, oh my God, you're him. You're, you're, you know, little Joe, they called me. And my dad went by his middle name, Joe, when he was living there. And, uh, everybody called me little Joe. And so when it was time to build the coffin, literally they were like, well, why don't you lie down and we'll measure you. You write down those measurements, I guess, and save them for later. <laughs> was that like a dagger? Like, did you did you feel good about that, or was that like a shot every time somebody called you like Little Joe? It was the it was the latter. It, it was yeah. not good. Although you know, and as I sort of try to come around in my you know writing the book was really a reflection on the experience. But you know, by the end, by you know, I sort of came to find some affection for it and appreciate it, and it was certainly said with love. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it was not, it, it made me crazy for a while. Yeah. The experience in the moment was probably pretty bleak and kind of gross feeling, but like, as you revisit it, is it something special to you or is it, or is it still kind of gross and just like, no, it really is. It really is very special. And, and, and a lot of this, yeah, like some of it going through it in the day to day was not necessarily so fun. Uh, although it's weird because you're kind of in paradise. You're on this gorgeous little island. Sure. The weather's perfect. Everybody's friendly. The, you know, it was, but, you know, we're there for this grim reason. It was hard being there, but writing about it and thinking about it has really been an exercise in finding forgiveness for him, appreciating the love for this half brother who now we're close. I mean, we live across the country from each other, so we don't see each other all the time, but we, we have a real bond. My sister and I are much closer now than we were before this. And it's sort of like I found this family and I was able to, because of his death, I was able to, uh, uh, you know, find myself not to be ridiculous and cliche, yeah. but like I was able to, to live in my own body in a much more, comfortable way than I ever was while he was alive. And so, and writing about it really was the experience of articulating that. And like in, in that, in writing it down, it sort of made it real. Like I, I really now, I, I really understand that forgiveness in a way that yeah. it was very abstract, of, you know, for many years. Well, and it is so hard to find that forgiveness, right? For your parents who for years, when you grew up with them and, and all of the, th the ways that you feel like they wronged you, you know, whether that's the case or not, it's like, even as you get older and you realize, you know, when, when you are a certain age and you're like, oh, your parents are just people trying to do the best they can, even if the best that they can do is awful. 
it's it's just so hard to cope with that. But what I find I find like once you do, once you cope with that, like you said, the forgiveness of that, it really does change who you are, you know, on a on a like a like a core level. Like it really does sever a lot of things uh, that a person may have like lived with for so long. My my experience is that I didn't know how much of my energy was spent fighting with him, you know, invisibly, you know, it, he didn't know. He didn't know. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, so much of my decision, so much of what I was doing was all in reaction to him. And he was he loomed so large. He was such a character in my life. And being able to release that and be like, oh, I don't have to prove anything to him. I don't have to justify being different than him i don't have to explain you know all relieving myself of all of that really is what i think enabled me to move forward and you know i mean i i wound up uh getting married and now i have two kids and like i i would never have had kids but i just i you know he was my model of a father i was like i would never ever be a father and now i'm like actually you know my fatherness is for better or worse, the, the biggest part of my identity, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, two little kids, you know. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you found that closure and were able to kind of close that chapter out uh, and, you know, and, 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 and do that. And I know becoming a father is such a huge milestone that uh, I would imagine is, is you're happy that uh, you, you made that leap. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I mean, certainly I, I am I am a much more content person than I was uh, for most of my adult life. Yeah, Guys, the book, it's called uh, In Herschel's Wake. It's available now. He has a website set up. It's at inherschelswake.com. I guess that probably has all the links to places yeah. you can buy it. What would be the best place to send people? Just Amazon? Yeah, yeah just to inherschelswake.com. You can go from there. You can see. Uh, you can, you know, there's links to buy. You can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any bookstore. You can also just search for it. Uh, unfortunately, Herschel Walker is in the news a lot right now. <laughs> if you type Herschel's Wake into Google, it, it's, are you sure you don't mean Herschel Walker? It's like, I really don't. I, I really, really don't mean that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's the best spot. And and from there, you can also see more about my baking and my, you know, there's links to the other stuff that I'm doing, my filmmaking work and all that is uh, accessible through that one what, website. What got you into and baking? where can people Just, find you online? Do you have uh, social media, your Twitter, Instagram, any of that? Yeah, all, I mean, you know, I for the book, I've got uh, new accounts that are all Michael Wool Author. Uh, I think Instagram is Michael Wool Author. Twitter is M. Wool Author. Uh, and, uh, you actually Facebook. use any of those things, Michael, or are they just there for the book? I, Promotional. So my publisher with, through my publisher, I got this publicist and, uh, I've had a publicist be operating the accounts and I, <laughs> I hate social media so much. And the only thing worse than having social media is having somebody else speak for you on social media. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm actually going to be taking over the accounts again in a couple of weeks at the end of the month. And so I will uh, hopefully uh, find my voice. And, and uh, I've been doing a medium blog, actually. The, the first article I wrote on the medium blog was how much I hate social media, uh, you know, as I was reentering the social media world. Yes, begrudgingly enter back into exactly. Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Michael, it was fun talking to you, man. We, good luck with the book. It's uh, called uh, In Herschel's Wake. It's available now, guys, on Amazon and all that. Uh, yeah, man, we appreciate your time. Uh, good luck with the book. Maybe we Thank you so much. Us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you guys. Cool, man. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Take care.
that was uh, Michael Wohl. Uh, check out his book. Hey, Travis, that was a good good chat. With, uh, he was a delight. Uh, wasn't sure what to expect, but uh, really enjoyed talking to that fellow. You, you know, at this point, Travis, like when, when we get people sent to us, like I don't give a fuck if they're like somebody that we've heard of or not. If they have like a cool story, I'm in. More often than not, the people that we have no idea about are the most interesting people to talk to. Yeah. You know, mostly it's, are you are you willing to do this? Are you willing to talk to us? Like, are you willing to like go with the flow? If we deviate off of anything to do with you, will you play? Go yeah, play <laughs> with us. Play with us for play. a little while. We're going to tell people you got a book. Uh, it's going to be great. Yeah, Travis, uh, I, I don't know if you saw this, Travis. I don't know if this gets on your radar, but uh, Taylor Swift put out a new album this weekend. Nice. Was it the midnight and then the 3 a.m.? So there's a track on it. I think it's the first single, Travis, and I listened to it. And she has a line in it about sexy babies. Did, did you? Did you, Oh, you, he you does? You she hear, does? Yeah, here we go. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby. And I was like, what the fuck is she talking about, Travis? Sexy babies? What the fuck? Your lady doesn't call you baby? No, she thinks everybody's a sexy baby. And so like I, I looked it up and there was people like, so hey guys, if uh if you're confused about the sexy baby thing, uh, she's talking about 30 rock. I'm like, what? What? I got I got the 30 it, like it it's I mean, no but did did people watch 30 rock, Travis? Oh yeah, that was big. Oh, 30 rock's great. Did you not watch 30 rock? I didn't, but I know it was big. Oh, you should watch 30 rock. It's super funny. It's not like a recent reference though. It's kind of obscure, and especially if you're talking about sexy babies, right? Travis? Yeah, but I mean at the same time, uh, obscure and outdated references don't really mean anything if it's available to watch on Hulu, Peacock, yeah, or Netflix. And then I guess real obscure and outdated references are right up my alley. If so. if if people are confused, they'll just do what I do. I guess. Yeah, you convinced me, Travis. I got the Thirty Rock clip here. So you can drop the sexy baby act and lose the pigtails. But I like my pigtails. And the whole sexy baby thing isn't an act. I'm a very sexy baby. So I guess it's people that talk like this, Travis. I'm a sexy baby, Travis. You know, right? It's funny because like the the one main character that uh, would be the sexy baby was not the sexy baby in that show. It was like that. Uh, what was her name? Suri, I think was. And she'd be the sexy baby if anybody was going to be the sexy baby. But uh, she never she never did. She's never be a sexy, sexy baby. baby. Drunk, drunk, do the sexy baby voice. I'm like, I'm from LA. <laughs> and everything is so much better in LA. Travis. I'm just a sexy baby that's just sexy with my sexy teeth. This is a baby. I don't know. That's no good. Forget it. Travis, think, <laughs> speaking of sexy babies, uh, my celebrity life pool pick for uh this week uh it is a uh gentleman who i just saw on a billboard on the on the drive home earlier today uh 75 year old elton john i mean he's he's doing a whole bunch of stuff travis like he's doing commercials about aids and stuff he's not gonna die yeah he's fucking around with little nas x and shit like he's he's around yeah he's fine like he just did a song with uh with a Britney Spears, travis like yeah elton john is doing like a whole series of songs that he's making like his greatest hits 
made worse by current pop stars. Oh, is he doing a not? I was going to say Santana, but that was all original new music. Is he doing like a post Michael Jackson thing where like Fergie jumped on Smooth Criminal or whatever? Yeah, yeah. He's just making all of his songs worse. Like that uh, sucks. He's like, hey, Britney Spears, do you want to make my song worse? And I think Dua Lipa made one of he his should, songs. He worse should instead recently. do a Carlos Santana and bring on Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20 to like make like a. A, you know, a new smooth or something. I think he's been on a farewell tour for like eight years. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has. Well, so. I mean, wh- well, I thought he what's the difference? Hanging up yeah. after the queen died. But... Molly, Cru- Motley Crue has been doing a last tour ever for 20 years. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Molly Lou. It's probably good marketing. You'd be like, this is the last one. Hey, it's us. I mean, kiss. Aerosmith had their final tour fucking 10 times, too. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's us. Kiss. It's 1999 and we're never going to perform again. And we're <laughs> playing just the, our last show isn't even for people. It's for sharks. Yeah. Only sharks get to hear us. You fucking idiots. <laughs> Dr- drunk celebrity uh, life pool. Drunk celebrity life pool. Pick of the week. Check it in at. 87 years young. Oh, Dame oh, Maggie Smith. The exact Smith. cause of her tragedy has not been confirmed. Oh. Police have revealed that Shala walked onto a section. Uh, I clicked on the... I, I didn't mean to do that. I swear to God. Drunk. What did you say? Dame Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. How old is she? 87. Wow. Are, are you unfamiliar with Maggie Smith? Uh, She's on uh the the... She's Grandma Wendy from Hook. Hook. She was fucking old as fucking Hook. Who is that broad from she in, uh, Dexter? She's in she's all in the Harry Dexter. Potter movies. Who's that broad in Dexter was also in a bunch of stuff. The later seasons. Uh, Charlotte Rampling. Is that the daughter that he drowned before? No, he went, was a it was Charlotte Ram- It was the, uh, the broad who said that she was in cahoots with his dad. Uh, Travis, did you watch when Dexter came back? I loved it. Was he a lumberjack still? Charlotte no. Rambling is 87. Or, I'm no. sorry, 76. He no longer lumberjacked. Uh, he worked at a hardware store uh, someplace in the upper northeast, maybe. Is Did it? they make the ending better? Well, if you consider killing him better. He's dead? Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert. How did he die? Oh, his kid shot him. He had a kid? Yeah, Harrison. I, I quit after the Jimmy Smith season, so... Yeah, no, Jimmy oh, Smith dude, is when you, you check out of everything. Jimmy Smith was good, but then he got... He hooked up with this fucking amazingly hot blonde... Oh. Anyway, Charlotte Rampling, is that your pick? That's your... No, Charlotte Rampling is not my pick. Uh, uh, and I don't remember if this person was picked for, but I'm going to pick him anyway. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll roll with it. Uh, my pick this week is uh, Harrison Ford clocking in at 80 years old. Travis, he's crashing planes I'm, all the time. Yeah, I was about to say I was going to pick him. And I was like, you know what? That dude's going to die. They just cast him as the uh, replacement for Thunderbolt Ross in the MCU. Uh, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out soon. It is Harrison Ford is my pick of the week. Hey, uh, Travis, it's me, Harrison Ford. I'm going to crash a plane. I'm going to point at you while yelling. I'm going to crash a plane and die. The funny thing about Harrison Ford is every time he crashes a plane, he becomes stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Mike, you you got what you would consider a pick of the week? I mean, last time last time I seen him, it seemed like he lost his fastball bad. I can buy more planes to crash. 
I gotta play indie one more time, you sons of bitches. It's gonna, time for a new plane. I'm gonna make Indiana Jones six, Travis. So get off this plane. plane, you son of a bitch. So while I haven't seen the first two, Drunk's Pig of the Week, I saw the previews for Creed three, and I gotta say, looks pretty good. Creed three looks pretty good, Travis. I didn't finish. I didn't finish Creed one. And I fell asleep during Creed 2. I did so. not see Creed 2. I probably will watch it now because I kind of want to see Creed 3. It kind of looks cool. Looks I kind of love good. the look of all three Creeds. It's just the fact that they were so goddamn boring. I couldn't stay awake. Uh, drunk, I have a pick of the week. Yeah. Uh, they just dropped the trailer today for the Guardians of the Galaxy ho- uh, Christmas special. Travis, did you watch that? Uh, I glanced at it. Oh, I didn't it watch it because I hate delightful. trailers. I know I'll watch it a thousand percent anyway, so I didn't watch the trailer. It looks so cute. I'm going to watch it 500 times, Travis. What is Groot? What is Groot? Is he a teenager? Is he a baby? What is he? He looks kind of like like he's been hitting the gym, which I don't know how that works. in uh, For trees? But yeah, he's like way buff. He's like a buff Groot. And okay. he has his full Vin, Vin Diesel voice now. Man, my favorite is Baby Groot, right? Like that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 was just like all of it. The interaction with Rocket, him fucking around in the beginning and dancing around. Like they, <laughs> I mean, God, Baby Groot, baby. I liked Groot Groot. I like Groot Groot and I like Teenager Groot. I think it was all good, but fucking Baby Groot, you can't beat it. Charles, I'll tell you what, this uh, this James Gunn DC news, it's kind of got me worried. I, I, get, I guess he's really not going to make any more, huh? No, this well, they for said Guardians. for a fact that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was the was it for him. Yeah, but I thought was, he was just kidding. No, that was it. They said that straight up he was it. Um, I'm very excited because I really enjoyed Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. And James Gunn is a super DC dork. So I think that there'll be a lot of good content coming out of that. And uh, Peter Serafin as well, um, I, I think, is a, a kind of a comic book nerd. So whatever wrongdoing uh, Warner Brothers has done with the DC properties, hopefully putting them in charge will keep the shitty executives off their back and they can just make like quality content with uh, some of my most beloved uh, fictional characters. Do you think that they actually will keep the executives off their back or do you think that this is just a I think lose? James Gunn will say fuck you like I really do like I think James Gunn has been around long enough and has worked I mean James Gunn got his start at trauma like he, his his first big break was writing Tromeo and Juliet like and I think he fucking directed it even though Lloyd Kaufman slapped his name on it um, and they like slither and super and shit like that like I think if they're entrusting James Gunn, James Gunn is going to be like, listen, you hired me for a reason. I'm doing this or I'm doing nothing. So, uh, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Guys, uh, I, I think I think we did it. Travis- yeah. Drunk. Do you have a pick of the week? Oh, you you got him, Travis. You got him right when he stood up. Dude, I've had a few for like 15 minutes. Drunk's going okay. to pee. I got a pick of the week. Oh, have, have you not? Have we not done? No, you're of- the only one. I, I get confused with all that. <laughs> Celebrity uh, stuff. Uh, Travis's pick of the week this week is if you're not familiar with it, you probably wouldn't want to watch it anyway. I don't know. Uh, somebody feed Phil on uh, Netflix. I have not watched this program until uh, just this last week. That's the how I the the uh, everybody, everybody loves, loves Raymond. Raymond guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a TV uh, writer slash producer uh, Phil Rosenthal 
creator of Everybody Loves Raymond. It's his like traveling eating show. He goes to all sorts of places. It's so fun to watch him because he's like an uber dork. Like he's like just like an uber, uber excitable dork yeah. to watch. Like he does stupid clapping motions and shit. Like I love him and he's very fun to watch because he's so excitable. Um, but yeah, he like travels the world and travels the country and like eats a bunch of shit and like checks out a bunch of different uh, cultures and things. And uh, apparently there's six seasons. I got through about a season and a half. Uh, but uh, I highly recommend uh, everybody or somebody feed Phil. Trevor, do you think that that is the actual dream job is yeah. to just be a guy who makes a TV show where About food. you travel all over the world yeah. and try cool food? John Gabris and uh, uh, Adam Pally both said it's the best thing that they've ever done in their life why, with why, 101 why, places to party before would, you die. Why wouldn't that just be the best job? Why don't why, yeah. why do you think Guy Fieri is so popular? Yeah, you have a you have a TV network willing to pay for you to party, eat, travel. Yeah, yeah that's no, the fucking drunk, dream I'm not job. talking about like watching the shows. I mean, I uh, guess yeah. they're popular no, and absolutely. that's why they are allowed to exist, but that's the best job you could possibly have yeah why do you think everybody loves guy theory because they want to be that guy yeah that's what i'm saying that that the, every every somebody feed phil like he's just like here's like this rich guy who created a like super popular program <laughs> who's just making millions of dollars constantly because yeah. everybody loves raymond's well, everywhere you've seen, you've seen that one with uh action bronson right oh yeah of course that, that fuck this is delicious fuck yeah this is fucking delicious and then there's like ugly delicious and there's all those things it's like I if I could do anything and I and I don't I don't I can't recall if I told you guys this guys this that uh, my wife and I our retirement plan is to sell everything buy an RV and just drive places and eat food. Yeah. Um, Film it. But, put it on YouTube. Maybe you can make a little fuck, scratch. Trevor. Yeah. Old ass white retired people uh, eating a bunch of shit. Hey, yeah. Blue, and I, like, I don't want to eat weird there's, stuff. There's a lot of people on YouTube that do that and they I guarantee you they make yeah. good money. I don't want to eat the weird stuff either. I want to eat delicious ass food. Yeah, I want to go to restaurants where like they make really delicious but shit. Yeah, what, what I don't want to be that one guy eating squid ass. And yeah, shit. Like, some, yeah, like some of the weird stuff could be good. You never know. rattlesnake dick. I don't want yeah. rattlesnake dick, right. Travis. I want, I want to like I don't go... want muskrat muskrat brains or anything <laughs> like that. Just feed me the delicious <laughs> fucking prime rib sandwich. Or what if it is delicious? But what if it is? delicious? Let's go to Italy and have their fucking delicious pasta. Like, yeah, that's what I. Yeah. And so, then you just say, hey, guys, I'm in Italy. It's beautiful. And the food's great. So you yeah. go, roll the credits. So I'm having such a good time. <laughs> and you should also come here to do this because it's great. <laughs> so you'll go to Spain and have the escargot then. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. What's the difference between muskrat and snails? Snails. I mean, it's a delicacy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you see, and muskrat's a delicacy in Mississippi. <laughs> no, that's a staple. Oh. <laughs> Mississippi. That's, uh, anytime they make tater tot casserole, it's not ground beef. It's muskrat. Like that's just like a staple of their dinner table. Yeah, I mean, like they'll make it, and, and no, I mean I'll eat it for sure. Well, yeah. Like I if want- you're gonna pay for me to go to Mississippi and like you know I get to stay in a hotel, and then at the end of it I have to eat a muskrat brain. Yeah, right. That's fine. I'll do and that if they, too. yeah, they're bringing out coon steaks, you're going to eat them. But that's not my dream job. My dream no. job is to eat the r- really good stuff. 
Right. I want the good stuff. I yeah, want the I'll people. I'll do yeah. the other stuff if there's a paycheck in it. Travis. It's, kind of, it's kind of like porn. You got to start with the weird stuff first. And yeah. then. Uh... Yeah. To get to where you need to get. <laughs> Jody pointed. You know what makes me angry about porn? Is Jody like uh, tagged uh, some porn star in one of his tweets today. And I looked her up on Twitter and I was like, fuck yeah, man. But then like she's the OnlyFans person. So I can't watch any of her shit. So it made me really angry. Are you talking about so, Riley Reed, Travis? No, Riley Reed I've kept in my favorites because she's great. I love her. Yeah, she, she's always doing a great job. It's funny, yeah. Travis. She posts that, uh, hey, I want to do more podcasts. What podcasts do you think I should do? And then she, she posts that do like. Yeah, like every three months, Travis, and gets like 900 comments with people saying, hey, do my podcast. Hey, do my podcast. If you search her on Spotify and Stitcher and stuff, she ain't doing podcasts. She ain't doing one podcast. She did Logan Paul's podcast, and that's it. So like yeah, she just posts that Paul. so that a whole bunch of people will engage with it. Right. I want to do more podcasts, and the only one she does is Joe Rogan. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, like, you know, the post right before that. Travis is like a like a picture of like her vagina and her asshole, and it's like just post that. That's yeah. That's and the fine. one after that is the one being like, "Ooh, my my naughty stepbrother found me playing his PS5, and I didn't want him to tell mom and dad." Uh, so Drunk, do you have a pick of the week? I already gave it. I guess you get a different it? audience then. Grade Travis. three. Oh yeah, grade three. <laughs> We're all over the place, Travis. I'm Dill Dannon. We're a goddamn mess. Teresa, I'm proud of you. to this installment of WFOD. To enjoy our back catalog, visit WFODshow.com be sure to share the show with a friend. Thank you to our Patreon sponsors for their continued support. Uh, Bad Poet Society, The Rabbit Poundings, Valerie Carpenter, Brian Kranz, and our North Star, Liquid Lozenge. If you would like to donate to keep this pirate ship afloat, Visit patreon.com slash WFODicks. Follow us on social media. Email any of us with your, our name and uh, at WFODshow.com in the end. Or leave us a voicemail at 636-487-HAND.com. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hey, subscribe on YouTube and uh, Twitch or uh, Apple Podcasts or .com or uh, Stitcher or wherever it is that you listen to it. Subscribe to it so that you get the newest episodes of series. Yeah, thanks. See you next week. Bye. Dot com.
you to know it's over.